Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Hey, listen, the votes are in. We're awaiting the results. Will Alec Bohm be Rookie of the Year? One good story so far this offseason, but the big news this offseason has been Andy McPhail sticking around. I'm Frank Close. I'm here with Jeff Mosher, and we have Greg Hall with us tonight. And uh, gentlemen, I, I, there, there's so much to talk about in terms of what came out of that Andy McPhail press conference. I know a lot of people leading up to it thought that this would be some big announcement. And all along, I was saying, no, 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 no. He does this every year. He kind of gives us this really yawner of a press conference where, where uh, he just kind of shoots down any, any, any hope for anything fun. Uh, but, but uh, so Jeff, why don't we start with you? What would you call that? Whatever you want to call it of, of, of a press conference McPhail held. Useless. Is that, is that a good word? Um, hollow perhaps. I mean, the guy admitted in the middle of the press conference or, or at some point that if they wind up hiring the GM and another baseball operations guy, he'd be happy to step, step aside. So well, if you're just happy to step aside and make no mistake, I would be happy if he did step aside. Um, what's the point? <laughs> you know, are you making decisions right now that go on with the per- the organization within personnel, or are you not? Because I would hope not if you're already pretty much willing to step aside. I mean that that's just a bad idea. First of all, I know he does it every year, but given the uncertainty of the front office, maybe not the best idea of the Phillies to jot him out, jog him out there in front of the. Uh, the media to kind of give kind of like, I don't know kind of responses about things. So 2021 apparently is where lame meets duck for Andy McPhail and, and, and Greg. Uh, what you, what's your reaction to that press conference? It was the timing of it. That's the reason I thought it would be different. They waited till after the world series, which everybody thought, well, they're going to give, you know, Eric Neander or somebody from the Dodgers organization, they're going to announce a new president and GM from one of the two smartest organizations in baseball. And that's why they're waiting for now. It's not going to be a useless time that you're going to waste 90 minutes. No, but it was. And the guy, so John Middleton says, Andy's going to jump back into baseball. He's going to be a part of the decision-making. And then Andy says, but I'll step down for the right name. Where are we? (laughs) What are we doing with our time and what are we doing? So, yeah, I, I thought it was curious at the timing. I, I like so many other hopefuls, which is sad state of affairs when you have to say you're hopeful somebody steps down from their job. But I thought, you know what? He's doing it the right way. He's waiting till after the world series. We're clearly going to bring just anybody in from the razor Dodgers. And uh, no, we just got the same old annual Andy McPhail, you know, what fest. And uh, we all had a lot of laughs and moved on with our day. Can you imagine, can you guys imagine what it would have been like in New York, like with the media and the fans, if like Fred Wilpon the day after uh, Steve Cohen bought the Mets had decided to hold a press conference just to talk about, you know, his time as Mets owner and all the things that were on his mind at the moment and, you know, wanted to answer any questions people might've had for him about owning the team. Like, dude, get the F out of here. Like we, you're done. We don't need to hear from you ever, ever again. That's why I think Philly fans felt about that Andy McPhail press conference. Uh, well, you know, all right. So Greg used the phrase sad state of affairs. And, and, you know, this is something I brought up, uh, Jeff, way back when we found out Clintac was departing, right? We know that the Phillies have laid off a lot of people, a lot of longtime employees of the organization, the people like Dave Hollins, who have been very much involved over the years and 
Uh, you know, you're just so used to seeing around. Like I, I know I'm used to seeing him around Clearwater, even hanging out at that uh, Hooters ripoff place, uh, having a beer. I forget what it's even called. That Dallas Cowboy guy. Owned I know what you're talking. What about. am I talking yeah. about? I'm, anyway, I can see it, but I can't remember the oh, name. Oh, Car- Car's Wing House. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I've known to see Dave Hollins hanging out in there after spring training. But but, uh, you know, so a lot of these mainstays that you're used to in, in the organization, you, even some of the local guys like Jesse Levis, you know, uh, who's Philly native as well. And uh, who was the other Philly native? I'm trying to remember. But but my point is, you know, they're, they're letting a lot of people go this year. And uh, already we know that uh, one coaching uh, staff member, Jim God, is not renewed. I could easily say the, the Philly, I could easily see the Phillies just saying to, to Bob Stumpo and, and Greg Brzezinski, Hey, you guys handle the bullpen this year, you know, because you're already there. Um, with Joe Girardi the- can handle the pitching staff because he was a cat. <laughs> or, or no, I think they're just going to give Dave Lundquist the job and just, and just say, uh, well, Maybe. You, know, you, you handle this, <laughs> you know? So with all these people losing their jobs, you know, I, <laughs> I can actually see, and, and tell me, I'll, I'll ask you what you think about this this first, Jeff, but I can see the Phillies just just throwing their hands in the air, I mean, at least from the ownership side, and saying, hey, hey, listen, McPhail, this was your rebuild. This was your five years. This is the last year of your contract. If I fire you now, that's millions of dollars I have to pay somebody else. That's a lot of people from the top down, the all levels of the organization that are going to lose their jobs so that we can bring somebody else in. You figure this out and you, you finish out your contract that you signed. And then then I'm just going to suck it up for the year and go on. Is, do you think, Jeff, that there's any possibility that the Phillies, at least at the ownership level, is going to be like, all right, listen, it's on you guys. You guys are under contract. You guys figure this out for this year. Uh, I, I think that's a possibility. Uh, I hope that's not their thinking, but it's hard not to go down that path when you've already heard not Andy McPhail, but the owner himself, John Middleton, say in his end of the season press conference when, when just asked about JT Real Muto, he asked, well, I can't know what I'm going to, what the market's going to be like for Real Muto when I don't even know what's going on with COVID and what's going on with the season. And so he was already counting dollars uh, at that point. And so if, if in his mind, you're saving money by for a year by not hiring a new GM and a new uh, baseball operations guy and letting, McPhail and um and uh Ned uh like Ned, Rice. Ned, Rice. Ned Rice just kind of carry the ship it does feel like it's going in that direction and I think that's unfortunate because I think this is a very pivotal offseason for the team and I think you're going to see other big market teams capitalize on the fact that some small market teams are going to have to cut salary and you would like the the Phillies to act like the big market team and try to capitalize with them but they're kind of talking like a small market team in dollars and cents and what they have to conserve. Isn't it a shame though, that we're not even talking about wasting a year of Bryce Harper's prime, (laughs) his age 28 season, like come on. And listen, am I, am I all for GM Harper when he posts photos of him and real Muto out to dinner and, and things like that and wearing the Jersey it is what it is. Like, I think that Bryce could probably carry himself a little better on that front, but we know it's not even a, it's, it's a reality that Rice will be the GM this year and McPhail will be the president. Won't it be ironic that this is the year they make the playoffs? Won't it just be the damnedest thing when they get knocked out in the wild card game and they, and, but that we broke our, we broke our slump. We're now in the plus. It's just like, this is so Phillies. Uh, 
the fact that they didn't, I, I understand why, but the fact that they didn't extend DD a qualifying offer, the fact that they didn't claim Brad hand on waivers, the, the, all of these things just signify we are in for a big, big time cut in payroll. And, and really, actually, if you look through the course of history, the last time there was a collective payroll cut across Major League Baseball was 2009. So uh, we were very lucky in Philadelphia because they were going to the playoffs and winning. A, they were right off a World Series in the, in the middle of the economic crisis that was the late 2000s. So the Phillies seemed to have no problem spending money then, thanks to the World Series. Now it's a little bit different. And now, uh, so let me ask you something, Greg. So you, you talked about perhaps the Phillies squeaking through on, on a wild card. Uh, listen, Ned Rice, I want to talk about him for a second because he, he, he's somebody a lot of people don't know much about. But it sounds like behind the scenes, the way that he does things is he's the kind of guy that looks for value at the margins. He's the kind of guy that, that has, a, has a, a, an analytics philosophy. So he's, he's basically what Matt Clintack was supposed to be, except – Ned Rice apparently behind the scenes opposed the Bryce Harper signing. He opposed the Jake Arrieta signing. And I, I, I got to wonder. Well, he's one for two. <laughs> given everything you said, you know, about, about, you know, uh, about this offseason, how it's going to play out. I think there's going to be a lot of one year deals for players that are going to be low money. And why not give Ned Rice a shot to see if he can be shrewd here? Because, you know, I'm looking at all the people that are getting that are getting cut. Like every player in the entire baseball had their options declined, right? That's pretty much the the, the story. There might have six been six qualifying what, offers. Yes, yeah, six entire qualifying offers, and two of them were stupid. I don't know what the Mets were thinking with with Mark Stroman, Stroman. and and, the, and Kevin Gossman of all people, who finally has one good year. You're going to pay him 18 million bucks in the middle of a pandemic. He accepted that faster than I can order Papa John's. <laughs> that dude was like, I'll take it. Exactly. Than his name was um, uh, who did it for the uh, I can't think of his name all of a sudden. Who's the Phillies pitcher? Jeremy Hellickson. Yeah. Jeremy Hellickson. Yeah. Four years ago around this time. So my so my question is, you know, with with if Brad Hand doesn't get ten million dollars from a team and, and the teams are willing to see it dip lower. Like, are, are there a lot of bargains to be had, Greg, that that Ned Rice can sort of piece something together and kind of fill this roster much, much cheaper than any other roster has been filled in, in, in recent memory. I have a lot of thoughts, so I apologize <laughs> if I'm verbose, but I'm going to try and make it really succinct. First Take and foremost, first and foremost, the, the, to me, just to go back to a previous point, the biggest difference between this club and 09 when they were winning all that through the, through the recession was homegrown talent. They had a ton of cheaper homegrown talent, Utley, Rollins, Howard, Hamels, you know, even Victorino, a rule five pick, worth. they weren't going out and spent worth, you know, who they got off the scrap heap. So they weren't spending the 330, the 125 on a catcher, the three for 75. Their fourth starter was Joe Blanton. They brought in Pedro halfway through the season. So there was a little bit of a difference there at homegrown talent, but I digress onto the season with Ned Rice. You're absolutely right. And I think this is a great opportunity. This, the team that will make the biggest impact next year, the sleeper team, will be the team that hits on one-year contracts. And the problem is I have zero faith in the Phillies organization to do that. They haven't shown in the past that they can. They'd rather go give three and 75 to an aging, declining right-hander in March, a.k.a. Jake Arrieta, than make the smart one-year deal. There is no bad – there is no such thing as a bad one-year deal because even if they get hurt, it's over. It's what I, I would have loved the Robertson deal to be a one-year deal. 
Think about the DD deal. The worst part is now he walks without a qualifying offer. So we don't even get pick compensation. So I guess there could be in that instance, cause we all love DD, but I look at this as MLB trade rumors.com put out their 50 free agent, um, you know, and where they're going to land this, that, and the other, they had a couple moves in there for the Phillies that I thought, okay. But the one in there that I laughed at and thought zero chance is they had us getting Liam Hendricks, the, the now all of a sudden dominant right-handed reliever from Australia. Uh, but they had him at three years and 30 mil. So 10 a season. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, I'd rather have Brad hand for one year, 10 yep. than three for 30 at the exact same. Plus I'm getting a dominant lefty. He was the best closer in baseball. It just didn't make any sense to me where they had hand, I think getting two and 14, something along those lines. So yes. Do I think that they will go out and just do minor league deals, try to, you know, piece together the, the rest of the team through that. Sure. Do I think they have any chance at signing JT? Probably not. And the James McCann's of the world will be the more realistic option. Then you take that money and you try to piece together the rest of the bullpen and pitching staff, which they've done in the past two seasons. And it and not, has not worked. Uh, I'm interested in the minor league deals that Ned Rice can pull off. I actually would love the team to take a chance on Mike fulton uh, recently of the Braves. He has big power stuff, a lot of trouble putting that together. He could be a peaceful, uh, a useful piece in the bullpen, not even the rotation. Remember, remember, by the way, just to cut in, remember when he and Nick Pavetta like faced each other three starts in a row or something, and, and it was like, wow, look at these two young budding superstars, right? <laughs> anyway, go yeah. on. And now they're both going to be pitching for new organizations. So that, like a Domingo Santana, who is just Philly. the worst. He's just the worst outfielder. <laughs> but he can hit 30. He can hit 30 home runs. And you know what? By the way, he can, by the way, just if I can one, one point about that, are they going to tell us if there's going to be a DH or not soon? I mean, team's got to put, put rosters together. Exactly. And that's the thing. He's your DH or if nothing else, he's your new Jay Bruce on a minor league contract. A lot of pop starts every now and again, but if used smartly could be a very, very good signing. So I think there are players out there to be had like the, you know, the Santana's and the Fulton of the world. And I'm probably getting laughed at right now from those listening who know who Mike Fulton is and like he stinks. That's not what it's about right now. It's about finding value for what you pay. It's about buying the upside, the Taiwan Walker. He could be a steal mm. this year because he hasn't really Always had the success, him. but right. He's got the potential. So I think you're going to be looking for a lot of high upside, you know, so minor league deals, the one year, $6 million deals where guys bet on themselves like DD did. So I, I think that's where Ned Rice could shine and maybe make a name for himself where I think he is in a really tight and tough situation is that we as a fan base and we as a city are so hungry to get McPhail out and to get a raise, uh, you know, a Dodgers president, Jim, a Theo into this organization that we won't even give him a chance I think he's just here until they find the new guy next year. And no matter how good of a job he potentially does, again, well, that's to be seen. He's almost fighting an uphill battle just because. Yeah, you know, it's funny. When you mention the value of these one-year contracts and the smart teams that will be able to capitalize on them, and Frank, you talked about Ned kind of being the guy who looks beyond the margins for talent. I can't help but think about a couple of years ago when they did try to get these guys on one-year deals. Unfortunately, their names were Michael Saunders, Howie Kendrick, 
And they trade, I guess that it was a trade, right? For uh, Clay Charlie, Buchholz. Who, uh, Charlie Morton before him, even. Charlie Morton. Yeah, it just, for whatever reason. And those guys actually had decent years the year before, but you threw them into the cesspool at the time that was the Phillies, and you didn't get the value that you were looking for in return. In fact, with Saunders, I mean, you almost got nothing. Same thing with, with Buchholz, who got hurt. And I do agree with what you're saying, Greg, but I feel like this year, everybody's going to kind of be thinking that, and it's going to be a little bit of a mad dash for some of those really good value guys that you can get on a one-year deal to the point where some of the guys that we're mentioning might not be those between the margin guys. They might be guys that are on three or four or five teams radars and the Phillies now have to kind of fight battles against other big market teams that might be looking to exploit that too. By the way, is Nelson Cruz a free agent? Yes. He is. Yeah. So that's a great question about the DH because that's a guy who could come on, you know, limited money is getting older, be a DH in a ballpark like the Phillies and probably hit 35 to 40 home runs accidentally. I don't know if they want it. How much, he's probably going to make more money than your average one year guy on, on a discount, but it just struck me that he was a free agent this year. But here's where I think the Phillies actually have an advantage over other teams in that same uh in that same position, I guess, because I do agree with you. There will be multiple smart teams out there uh, that are looking for those types of pieces. I mean, probably almost the entire league, Cleveland, Kansas city, a lot of those places. Uh, But what the Phillies offer that those teams might not is opportunity. And I think in this year where you are looking for the value to bet on yourself, you're looking to go to a place where you have a real opportunity. The Phillies have that. They have two rotation spots and however many pieces are in that bullpen, that's how many spots that is true. So they offer things like Philadelphia is a destination to play Um, like it or not. We're a big time city with a big time viewership. So that's sexy. It's an opportunity. It's a team that with the right moves is a contender. So I think when you put that all together, and by the way, 2021 is one of the best uh, free agency classes ever. So even if we do go on the cheap this year with a bunch of one-year contracts, there's a ton of talent next year that we could have our eye on. See, now you bring that up. And I think, Frank, uh, that the whole like discount approach might work because of the economic situation. But unfortunately, I think there are going to be some really good opportunities that maybe they're not able to capitalize on because they've got a, an uncertain front office right now. And that makes them a little bit aimless and and B because maybe themselves they're, they're going to play victim to the economy here, but a guy like Nolan Arenado is probably going to be unmoved. I mean, the Colorado Rockies, I think are are not going to be able to afford him. He's got a really big contract and, you know, I think that you can probably get Arenado this year if you're a big market team that's not afraid to spend, you know, take that contract on without having to give up what you might ordinarily had to give up if they weren't really moved to want to, to, to trade him. Uh, same thing with the Indians and Francisco Lindor, who I think is also is going to be one of those free agents at the end of next year. I would, you would love the Phillies to be in that opportunity where since his contract is doable now, where you trade for him, you bring him in and then you don't have to worry about signing him until the end uh, of the year and then that gives you a year to at least see if you're better financially if the world is better if, if everything's more, more feasible but it doesn't feel to me like the Phillies have this kind of approach going into the offseason where they're going to capitalize on the on being able to to get some pretty upper echelon talent for maybe not having to give up too much to get it yeah I would love to know just 
how much how much autonomy they actually have. Like would the Phillies ever Phillies ownership even let them commit to anybody for the long term? You know, you know what I mean? Like like <laughs> if indeed they're just sort of waiting out McPhail's contract and and Rice is there because they don't want to pay somebody else too because they're still paying Clintac for that job as well on top of that. Um, and they don't have the revenue. So would they let them make a big commitment? I mean, I, I think that's a real question we have to address is, you know, are, are, is the, is the Phillies leadership in whatever form it is, whether it's Rice or McPhail's involved too, like, do they really have it? Do they have much wiggle room? Like I, here, here, here's a name that was on the, that MLB trade rumors list, uh, Greg, by the way, now, Frank Close, the guy with an MBA who wants to, to, to think like a marketer, uh, I signed Cole Hamels for one year and four million dollars. <laughs> Try to get fans happy about that. And even if he throws out his arm the second week and, and never pitches again, you have your feel good story. You know, like when Jim Tomey came back in 2013, like that was like the highlight, right? Hey, Jim Tomey, uh, or was it 2012? <laughs> I'm sorry. When Ryan Howard got hurt, it was like, hey, Jim, Jim Tomey's back. Like, you know, that was that, that, that was like something exciting. And when you knew disaster was was coming. Um, but 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 my point is, you know, you might just have to you might not be able to go more than a year and and and, and making deals like that, that 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 uh, that can do no harm. Now, I think back to 2014 and and the one year that I give Ruben Amaro a lot of credit for is 2014 because and Dave, Dave Montgomery, you know, um, Bless his soul. He was, uh, you know, he, he really loved his players and wanted them to win. And he wanted one last shot with the core. And uh, uh, but Ruben Amaro, when he approached that 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 year in terms of acquiring players, he kind of took a do no harm approach. You know, so uh, what I mean by that is the, the, the deals were like for Marlon Bird, who cost nothing. They were for uh, A.J. Burnett, who cost nothing. You know, he like, wasn't, had a good he, he year that sixth- year, too. I thought AJ Burnett was sixteen million, wasn't he? Well, I, I'm talking. I'm talking about just like he just costs money. That's it. Oh, you know gotcha. what I mean, like, like there's no harm to the long term health of the organization. Right. You, you mm-hmm. give it a shot, and then, you know, uh, you know, like Bird, you flipped him for for what Ben Lively. I mean, like, but you know, like you, you they, he did no further damage, so that when it was time to to really move pivot and and do the rebuild, uh, he didn't screw up draft picks because. I think they drafted somebody decent around that year. I don't remember. So um, like Aaron Nola, for example. Yeah, Aaron Nola. <laughs> <So>, um, <laughs> Numero seven, I think that was. Yeah. So, um, so, so, so my point is like, you know, I think, I think that's, that's, that's almost the approach you have to take is the do no harm approach. Uh, and just, just, <laughs> and really, so let me ask, let me just ask your thoughts about that. I'll start with you, Greg. Call Hamels, one year, 4 million bucks. Does that make people happy at least and care about the Phillies? Well, unfortunately, Frank, the approach of it's just money is a lot this year. Like that, unfortunately, is the is the driving factor is it's just money in any other year. It is just money. There's no other future assets, no long term, you know, worry for the organization. But in a year where there's going to be universal payroll cuts and the Phillies will be in in the middle of that money is the driving factor. And so if you get a guy like a Cole Hamels one year, four million Man, I don't love it. I really don't. Um, I on Cole Hamels has a long a long enough of a track record to get a major league deal this year, but he pitched one start, three innings, eighteen million bucks for the Braves. Would it shock you at thirty, what six, whatever he is, that he gets a minor league contract? He could be a would guy. He, would he take that, one or would he hang it up? 
depends if it's Philly. Maybe he comes. Maybe he comes home. Maybe he goes to San Diego. Yeah, that's what MLB trade rumors suggested. He goes to San Diego because where he's from originally, right? And- a lot of these players might look to do that on the tail end of their career. I got one year left in me. If I'm going to sign a minor league deal, let me go home. I can see that. I don't think that necessarily plays as big of a factor as some people. It makes a good story. I don't think it necessarily plays that big of a, into it. So yeah, do I think that it's possible? Yes, I actually think it's probably more plausible from, from a minor league contract perspective. Same with a guy like Chris Archer. Is his That injury is a career-altering injury. He will not be the same pitcher he was 